My name is Nicholas Haskins, and over the past 40 years, I have fallen in love with creating in my kitchen. I believe in scratch cooking, fresh ingredients, and positive energy. Join me on this culinary journey as we discuss the weekend food, and I break down a recipe step-by-step for you to make it home. Welcome to Nikolai's Kitchen. Hello, good morning, hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of Nikolai's Kitchen. I am so, so thrilled that you took the time to tune in to this episode to hear all about French onion soup. French onion soup is absolutely my favorite type of soup. It's also the litmus test for any restaurant and for any chef as far as I'm concerned. Because whenever I go to a new restaurant, I don't know if you guys do this. You guys have to let me know if you do this or if you do this with anything else that's not French onion soup. And I know we're talking about the featured recipe right now. We're going to break it down later in the episode. But every time I go to a new restaurant, first thing I do is look for French onion soup on the menu. If they have it, I immediately order it. Because depending on what that French onion soup tastes like, I feel you really know what your meal is going to taste like. I feel like you really know what's going to happen whenever you bite into anything that you eat. If you have French onion soup and it's not very good or it's thin and watery, or it's basically just beef stock and it doesn't taste anything like onion or anything like that, you might not be in for the best experience. I want to talk more about my French onion soup. Like I said, when I break it down, but I am so, so thrilled that you decided to tune in to this week's episode French onion soup is a relatively forgiving recipe. You can do a lot of different things to it. But one thing that any good French onion soup requires is patience. And our positive thoughts for the week are going to focus on patience. So do me a favor and just close your eyes and let's just take a moment and let's breathe and let's just think about what it means to be patient. you're making things like French onion soup, you really have to build layers of flavor and you really have to give it time to cook down. And it takes hours upon hours upon hours. There are other dishes and things like that that we're going to talk about on this show that are very, very similar. But patience is also something that is so, so important in real life. After this weekend, I came home on Sunday and I was so gung-ho. I wanted to sit down and I wanted to record this recipe And I wanted to record this episode right away. And then yesterday, yesterday was Monday. I wanted to record this episode. Then I had to work at my office and then I came home and I was just beset by tech issues and nightmarish headaches. And I got really, really frustrated and I got really, really upset with myself. And every once in a while, I think all of us just get overwhelmed and I think all of us just get down. I think that life really, really has its way of, of really sinking its claws into us and, you know, putting us through the ringer and just hitting us with one thing after another to where we feel stretched really, really thin. But I think 
one of the most important things that you can possibly do is breathe. I decided yesterday after I wasn't going to have time to record the show, I was still really frustrated, but I decided to do yoga. I do yoga with Adrian on YouTube. I can put a link down in the show notes if anybody's interested in checking it out. But doing yoga and then talking to Rebecca really, really helped me to just focus and breathe and realize that I can't do everything all at once. There's only so much time in the day. You've got to eat. You've got to sleep. You've got to do the things that keep a household running. You've got all sorts of other responsibilities. There's so much going on in our lives right now. Everybody is so, so busy. And we've got the added stress of all this election stuff and the pandemic and all these other things. But just breathe. Breathe and understand that life requires patience. You will get your project completed. You will get the chance to sit down and record the next episode of your podcast. You will get the chance to do everything that you want to do. You just have to breathe. You just have to relax and wait and be patient and not push yourself and not rush yourself because with fitness, with getting healthy, with doing anything, and that's one of the biggest things that I had to learn when I did hashtag drop the sugar. And I know I haven't really talked about this a ton except for in the pilot a little bit, but I've lost 125 pounds since mid-2019. And I lost 125 pounds because of patience. And lately, I plateaued, and I did put a couple of pounds back on. Nowhere near that total, thankfully. Just a little bit, you know, and then kicking this show back up and changing my cooking habits and doing different things has definitely changed things for me a little bit. But I know as long as I have patience, as long as I focus and I keep working hard, one foot in front of the other, every single day, I'm going to make it. And so will you, whatever it is, just take the moment to breathe. Just take a moment to relax and just not worry about anything. Just put everything down, put the electronics down, turn the TV off, turn the podcatcher off or well, pause it (laughs) and just breathe. You can do this. You will do this. Believe that you will have the patience to make it. No matter what, everything in life, sometimes you just have to step back. You just have to reassess and you just have to have patience with yourself to make the changes necessary over the time that it's necessary to make them. You have to have patience with other people. Sometimes other people can frustrate us at our jobs and our personal lives and our relationships. But you just have to breathe and just be patient because ultimately, ultimately, a lot of the things that we get so worked up about and a lot of the things that we stress about aren't really all that important. And we can just focus so, so much better if we step back, if we just have patience, if we just believe that we can do what we set out to do. I promise you that you can. 
Just have patience and believe in yourself and you will. French onion soup is something that requires a lot of patience. And as I said, we are going to be breaking that down in the back half of the episode for our featured recipe. But I wanted to talk about what else I got a chance to make over the weekend with This Week in Food. Earlier this week, I published a really, really quick little bite-sized episode about herbed butter. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that, I want you guys to go back and give that a listen really, really quickly because it's going to be really important going forward for everything we're going to make in today's episode. And if you've never made your own herbed butter, guys, I would absolutely encourage it. From my perspective, it stole the show. It absolutely stole the show in both of the dishes I used it in including a hybrid of a chicken cordon bleu and a chicken Kiev. So happy birthday, Jen. It was my girlfriend, Rebecca, her friend, Jen, celebrated a birthday this past weekend. And I asked her what she wanted for dinner. And she said she hadn't had a good cordon bleu in ages. And honestly, I haven't made chicken cordon bleu in forever. A chicken cordon bleu is not very complicated. It's basically just chicken with ham and cheese in it. Essentially, there's a lot of different ways that you can make it. I'll talk about the way that I made it, of course. But my girlfriend doesn't eat pork and neither does her daughter. So I didn't want to just do cheese. But Jen also mentioned chicken Kiev to me and I got to thinking, I was like, you know what? Chicken Kiev and chicken cordon bleu, there's not really much fundamental difference between the two. They're both chicken stuffed with something and breaded and fried in some way or another. So I thought it would be a really, really good idea to create a hybrid of the two. So I decided to go with prosciutto, some Swiss cheese, and herbed butter. What I did with the herbed butter was I got some wax paper and I pressed it flat and I kind of rolled it out with a rolling pin until it was really nice and thin. So, you know, you want it to be thick, maybe no more than like a, between a quarter and an eighth of an inch, somewhere in that neighborhood, because you want it to still be cold. You, I set it in the fridge to set up so they were nice and hard sheets, so they're nice and easy to peel off. And then, you know, let them melt just a tiny little bit, let them kind of warm up just a little bit, and they'll get super pliable, especially when they're so flat. So I layered those three ingredients on some chicken breasts that I pounded out flat, rolled those up really, really good, and then I spun them really tightly in plastic wrap and just kind of created these little, almost little capsule shaped, you know, pouches of chicken. And I stuck those in the fridge until I was ready to do them later on in the day. And then when it was time to cook them, I brought them out. I did flour, egg, and then panko. Got a really, really good crispy coating and breading on there. And then I air fried them. So I air fried them at about 350 degrees for roughly 18 minutes, give or take. And I've got to tell you just the herbed butter. First of all, like I said, all those herbs that you're playing around with in there, your sage, your rosemary, your parsley, your garlic, your lemon zest, all those different things were playing so, so well off of one another. And that butter made the inside of that chicken so succulent. You got the saltiness of the prosciutto and just that oozing melty cheese. What a dish. I mean, like I said, I had not made it in quite some time, but it turned out 
mind-blowingly good. Definitely something I want to do again very, very soon. On the side of that, I decided to whip together some lemon parmesan orzo. Unfortunately, my orzo did not turn out quite as good as I thought it could turn out. I just, I didn't have enough of my own homemade chicken stock and I didn't really have anything to replace it. So, you know, unfortunately it just kind of was a little bit thinner than I wanted it to be in terms of like the body of it. Like, you know, that liquid that you're really using to soak it up. But orzo is super, super simple. I did two cups of dry orzo, two tablespoons of butter, two tablespoons of olive oil, toss those in a pan and just you kind of let those come to temperature over mid heat and you just kind of keep tossing it. And what you're going to do is you're going to start to toast that orzo. You're going to notice it turn from that pale pasta color into like this nice kind of golden brown color. Toast that really well all over and then added three cups of liquid to it. You ideally want three cups of stock. I unfortunately only had two. So like I said, it ended up being a little bit thin because I had to add water to it to finish it out because obviously you need your orzo to finish cooking. And then I added the juice of two lemons. I added one at the start and then I added one about halfway through and then I zested both of those lemons as well, plus a ton, 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 ton of Parmesan cheese that went into this after it was done. You basically cook it like rice once it starts to boil. You slap the cover on there and then turn it down to low, and then you just let it go for like 18 to 20 minutes until all that liquid is nice and absorbent. It's got this nice, dreamy, creamy kind of texture to it. Then you add your Parmesan cheese, your lemon zest, and you do some salt, fresh cracked black pepper, and just mix that up. I love orzo. It's something that I've really, really grown to love. And it's something that's also really, really versatile. You can do a lot of different things to an orzo. There's so many different things you can add into it. I just wish that mine had turned out as good as I've had orzos in the past. But as far as orzo goes, it's not the worst I've ever had. (laughs) Like it was still relatively fine, you know? And then the last thing I want to tell you guys about before we jump into a break here is brownies specifically red wine infused brownies no i know what you're thinking but 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 nick you already talked about this in the pilot i know my mind just i can't ever remember anything ever anyway but i promise guys i'm not going crazy no i want to talk about red wine infused brownies because i made them again and uh, you know it was one of those things jen lived in Germany for quite a good long period of time and loves black forest cake. Now I'm not a cake person. Are you a cake person? Like what's your kind of go-to dessert? If you're going to have dessert, do you want cake, pie, ice cream, brownies? Like, you know, let me know, light me up on social media. Let me know what you guys kind of prefer, but I'm just not a cake person. Like I love the idea of making super decorative cakes. I really, when I get a bigger kitchen someday, I want to get like all the, like the turntable and the frosting spreaders and the, and the, and the frosting bags, the piping bags with all the tips and everything, and really try to make some really beautiful decorative cakes. Shout out to Ann Reardon on how to cook that. Check out her channel on YouTube. If you've never seen it, she makes some beautiful, beautiful cakes. But I'm not a cake person, but I thought to myself, because, you know, she really, she saw those pictures of the brownies I had done before and, you know, seemed like she would really, really love them. Plus loves wine. But one of the things that Rebecca had said before was how rich and how strong that kind of wine flavor was in there because of the wine flavor that I had used. Her daughter was not a fan of how quote unquote boozy. (laughs) 
the brownies were. So I decided to go with something that was going to be a little bit lighter on the red wine side. You still want to dry red wine. Don't ever go sweet with these things because it's going to make the brownies cloyingly sweet by the time you reduce this all the way down. But I actually ended up using less sugar in it overall than I did the previous batch that I made. But the difference here was I remember telling you guys that I really whisked the heck out of those eggs when I incorporated them in here. I didn't do that this time. I just basically mixed the eggs with a fork until they were mixed in. I didn't sit there with a whisk and kind of keep like really churning it away at it. And the difference, I also baked it in a nine by 13 baking dish. So I'm sure this helped. Plus it was a gas oven. So it only took about 25 minutes at 350 degrees, which was crazy to me. But the difference was, is I got, my fudge brownies, my brownies, when you make them like this, and when you get them to this consistency, it turns out so incredibly fudgy. It's basically just like eating fudge. Seriously. I love them so, so much. I know some people love a cakier brownie, but I love a really dense, decadent, chewy, fudgy brownie. Nothing in the world like a nice, thick, just decadent brownie to me. And what I decided to do is I went over to the liquor store and I actually found an Austrian cherry liqueur that was made from sour cherries. It didn't have a sour taste to it. It was a little bit tart, but there was a lot of sweetness to it. But I took that and I took some white wine and I bought a bag uh, that was a mixture. It was frozen uh, sour and sweet cherries. And I did about three cups of those with a cup of white wine and a cup of the cherry liqueur and just a quarter of a cup of sugar. That's all I added into this. And I just let that reduce until the liquid was probably down to only about a cup or so. A lot of liquid's going to leach out of this fruit. And then what I did was I hit it with a cornstarch slurry, just a half a cup of water in a heaping teaspoon. So a tablespoon basically of cornstarch. And then I, you know, mix the slurry together. And then, like I said, when the liquid in the pan was down to about a cup, I tossed that slurry in there, stirred it around. That stuff thickens up in a snap like that. And it's so, so nice and thick, took it off the heat. And then I just reserved it. And I did the ganache over the top of the brownies. And then I did a layer of that nice, you know, delicious cherry reduction. So essentially black forest brownies. I mean, really like the true, true spirit of black forest is like a nice boozy cherry. And I did soak some cherries in the cherry liqueur and, you know, spoon them over the top of the adults brownies and everything, but it just wasn't quite the same. And like, none of it was sour cherries. I honestly, I tried to look at the store to see if I could find anything like that. But I mean, I just, I don't know where you would find those kinds of things in the States. If you know, please tell me. Cause I really had a heck of a time trying to find it. And like I said, the best I did was that frozen bag of like tart and sweet cherries together. Like I couldn't find just straight up sour cherries because that's really, really what I wanted. So that way I could, you know, try to make something a little bit more true to what she had expected, but she did still love the brownies and these ones night and day turned out infinitely better. Even if you omit the cherry stuff, the ganache, the fact that they were just much denser and fudgier, they didn't have that airiness in there from the eggs. When I beat the eggs with the whisk the last time, everything about them just turned out so, so much better. And that's one of those things, guys, is you can always grow. You can always grow and you can always learn so, so much in the kitchen. 
always, always, always be willing to change things, be willing to try something again, because you never know when it's going to turn out better. I know some people will make one recipe and, and they'll get it perfect and they'll spend ages trying to chase that recipe again. Believe me, I know the pain, but you know, never stop trying because you never know when you're going to hit it perfect. I mean, those brownies, I mean, that just turned out beyond words. Like I can't even, I can't even really describe to you guys just how amazing they turned out. But I want to take a quick break here, ladies and gentlemen, when I come back, it's time to talk about French onion soup made completely from scratch. Don't skimp on this. Don't cut corners on this. It does take a long time and you're going to have to have a lot of patience. I promise you every single little bit of it is worth it. And it's much, much easier than you might, uh, than you might give it credit for. I'll talk a little bit more about it right after this. You know, for the longest time, I never had the little soup crocs, the little croquettes that you need for French onion soup. When I used to make it, I used to just make it in a giant casserole dish and I would slice up a baguette and I would, you know, toast it. And then I would toss like, you know, I don't know, a dozen pieces of it in there and, you know, do the layer of cheese over the top of it. But it was never quite the same. There's something so charming about just getting that little individual serving size, that little croquette with just your soup in there. I finally found some absolutely gorgeous little mini croquettes on Amazon there by Kook. They're the cutest little things. They're just these, these little tiny baby casserole dishes, and they come with just a little lid that goes on them. They're about 12 ounce capacity. They're really, really small. Only a cup and a half is what they hold. So I found these, and I just knew I'd been jonesing. I had not made French onion soup in quite some time. It was finally time again. And this is what you're going to need to make it happen. I did two pounds of red onions. I halved them and chopped them. I did three pounds of sweet yellow onions also halved and chopped. This is entirely up to you. Play with the size of your onion here. If you like a big, thick chunk of onion, go with really thick slices. You know, even if you want to even go to something like just quartering it and maybe one slice down each quarter or something really, really depends on exactly what you want. Okay. Okay. Three quarters of a cup of herbed butter. Again, 
make sure you bring that into the equation here. You want some salt, some fresh cracked black pepper, four cups of a dry red wine. Again, do not use sweet wine for this. There's so much sugar in the onions. There's so much sweetness in there. You're basically just going to make like this really sweet soup and it's going to be disgusting. I can't even imagine what that would taste like. Uh, don't do it. And then you're going to want 12 cups or so of beef stock. Now, I'm going to talk about this when I get to this step because I didn't measure this step. But here's the real kicker about it. You really don't have to either. You really don't. We'll talk about that in just a moment, though. So you're going to get a big, big stock pot. I mean, a big stock pot. Get all your onions prepped. Get them in a bowl. Get them ready to go. Okay. Chuck your onion in the bottom and then turn it on over medium heat. Okay. Let that butter get melty and then just toss all of your onions in there. And you're just going to kind of keep stirring them until they're nice and coated in butter. Add a little sprinkle or so of salt over the top to kind of start bringing a little bit more of that water content out of there. You're going to want to cook them for give or take 15 minutes. Just let them saute. Let them start to caramelize. Let them start to get nice and translucent. Then you're going to want to chuck all of your wine in there. All of it. Just dump it all right in there get it in there. And then I usually at this point will turn it down to about mid low and then cover it. And then you're going to let it go for at least a half an hour between 30 and 45 minutes. I'm pretty sure I did mine say 45 minutes, give or take. So you're already, you're already pretty much like an hour in here just making this soup. And that's not even counting cutting up all the onions, which does take a little bit of time because there's a couple of them. You know, you've got a few. <laughs> So at this point, your onions are going to be nice and soft and extremely red. They're going to be basically purplish red. <laughs> they look so good. I love onions when they're at this stage, when they're just like soaked in so much red wine from sauteing them in red wine. It just looks amazing. You're still going to have some liquid in here. You don't want all the liquid to be gone because it doesn't really matter. You know, you just don't want it to be gone. Basically, you still should have some liquid in here. Take the cover off. Let it continue to cook. And then you're going to want to get your beef broth. Now, what I did with the stock pot is I just took it and I put it in the sink and I just turned the water on because I use better than bouillon. It's a beef stock base. It's a paste. It's a little bit pricier than like your normal little cubes of, of stock or anything like that, but it is so, so worth every penny. The flavor is unbelievable. And I had say eight teaspoons of it. And then I did, you know, probably between 10 to 12 cups of water. Like I said, it doesn't really matter here because basically from this point forward, this is where if you want to add any aromatics, you're going to add aromatics. If you want to add any other flavors to the soup, this is where you're going to add them. Anything else that you want to be part of this, now's your chance to get it in the pot. Okay. Let it go in there. And then you're just going to let it start to cook down. If you do add like any, like some people will add like a, you know, a little spice bag or something like that, like all sorts of stuff in there. I highly encourage that because you don't want to have to try to fish stuff out of this soup by the time it's done. Don't bother with that. It's such a pain, but you know, keep cooking this down. You're going to want to keep letting this go down, down, down and reduce until you get to the flavor that you want. I reduced this down by over half, probably I would say almost two thirds. It was between half and two thirds of the way down from where it originally was after I had added all of the beef stock. Like I said, you really, really want to cook it. And I'm cooking this low and slow. Like this is on like mid low to mid. And I'm just letting this go for at least two to three hours. 
And, you know, you're going to want to keep checking your onions, check the consistency of them. You don't want them to turn to mush, but you don't want them to be, you know, really hard still. I mean, they shouldn't be from cooking them in the red wine. But again, this is why this takes patience. From when I started cutting up the onions until this was on the table, this probably took me about seven to eight hours to make all of this. So you're going to keep reducing the soup until it gets to the desired taste that you want. You're also going to kind of do it until you get the desired amount of broth that you want, like your ratio of broth to onions. Now, I'm somebody who wants like a lot of onions in every bite. Like it's French onion soup. I want onions. That's the whole reason I'm making it. You might be somebody that really, really loves the broth. So, you know, work with that ratio as well. Work with that amount of beef stock, maybe add more beef stock. So that way, by the time it reduces to get to the flavor that you want, you still got plenty of broth left over. I still had a ton of broth, of course, but whenever you dunked that ladle in there, you were coming out with a ton of onions. Like you weren't just getting beef broth all the time. Because I really, really find that frustrating when I go out to eat at restaurants, when either A, it's not reduced far enough and it still tastes really, really watery, or B, when you basically get get a cup of beef broth with a couple of onions chucked into it. It, it no, no, <laughs> it's just like, it, it just doesn't even make sense to me. I don't get it. It's such an easy thing to make. It just requires patience, just requires patience. That's all it takes. Now, what you're going to do is you're going to take a nice baguette and you're going to slice that thing into roughly, say, three-quarter inch to one inch thick slices. I actually took some butter. I chopped up some garlic and parsley and just melted some butter, chucked it in there, and just stirred that around just to perfume the butter just a little bit. And then I brushed it on. I did about 12 of the little medallions because there was three per croquette. And then I chucked them into the oven at 350 degrees. You let those start to cook until they start to brown. And then I hit them with the broiler just to really, really brown them really good on top. You want them nice and crispy, nice and crunchy. Okay. So you're going to take the little crostinis out. You're going to set those aside until you're ready to use them. Now you start ladling the soup into your croquettes. You want enough room in here so you can still fit the crostinis in there. Fill up your croquettes, stick your little crostinis in there, and then a generous, and I mean a super generous heap of Gruyere cheese spread out over the top. Your oven should already be on from doing the croquettes at 350. Throw it in there. You're going to want to melt all the cheese. Get all the cheese melted, and then you're just going to kick the broiler on to brown it and then give you kind of that classic French onion soup look. This will probably be roughly 15 to 20 minutes, give or take. And then you're going to take it out. You're going to let it rest. And I think the real hallmark of any great French onion soup is just how powerful the onion flavor is in it. Now, I did a mixture again, of red onions and sweet onions. And you're going to get different results depending on what types of onions you use. If you use white onions or red onions or, you know, sweet onions, Vidalia onions, any of those different kinds of things. And I know a lot of people, what they'll do is they'll actually take scallions and they'll chop them up fresh and they'll stick them over the top of this. I honestly think that that's a pretty cool idea too. I just didn't have any, otherwise I would have done it, but it gives you that kind of texture difference. You're getting that nice snap, that nice crunch of a nice fresh scallion versus those onions that have been reducing in this broth forever. <laughs> like I said, I think on the stove, all told, like from when I started reducing the onions until I turned the heat off and, you know, got everything ready to start preparing them for the croquettes, 
probably on the stove reducing cooking down for at least four hours, at least, you know, and then you're going to, like I said, you're going to ladle it into the croquettes. You're going to do the baguette. You're going to get it in there with all that cheese. And it's just, I mean, melty cheese. You want that nice, flavorful, flavorful little crostini in there and just an absolute mouth-watering punch of onion flavor. The beef is the supporting player here. I, you know, there's a lot of different schools of thought that people probably have. I also dumped some extra red wine into this, by the way, at the end, like probably an extra cup when it was roughly 20 to 30 minutes out on its way to finishing reducing. I just wanted to see if I could punch up that earthiness from that red wine in there and kind of start adding a little bit of maybe that leatheriness, like a little bit of that pepperiness from the wine in there worked like a charm. So get, I mean, if, if this is something you're scared to try, if this is something that you really, really love and you've never taken the opportunity, it just takes time. You're just going to have to dedicate the better part of a day to making it, you know, but there are a couple of good portions when you can just kind of let it go and you can just kind of let it reduce and you can just kind of walk away. You don't have to be standing over it all the time watching it like a hawk, you know, you can just kind of let it do its thing. So please try this recipe. Please make amendments. Like I said, there are so many different things. When you get to this stage, when you add the beef stock, you can start adding aromatics. I have made it before where I've added like star anise and cinnamon sticks and all sorts of different things like that, where you're going to give it almost a little bit more of a sweet spiced kind of kick. The star anise gives it like a little bit of a licorice spin, which really, really does play very well with those earthy elements and your red wine and your beef broth and things like that. There are so many different things that you can do with French onion soup. I've made it with beer as well, like a nice hearty stout before. Anything, guys. I mean, anything that you want to do, you can do it with French onion soup. Have faith, have patience. Give this a try. And please let me know how it turned out over on social media. And that is going to do it, ladies and gentlemen. I want to thank you so, so much for listening to this episode. I also want to offer my sincerest apologies for this episode being a little bit later than normal coming out. I mean, still on release day, but unfortunately today has been uh, an extremely tough day for me. Uh, Today is the 15 year anniversary of the passing of my friend Jake and Right now in my hand, I've got a glass of Jack Daniels, which is something that uh, when we were in a band together, myself, my friend Jake and Joe, Jake would drink Jack. And when we would turn the lights off to practice our timing, uh, the bass would cut out all of a sudden. That's what Jake played. And we turn the lights on and find him drinking Jack Daniels out of a popsicle stick holder. He died of a rare form of cancer when he was 23 years old. And that was 15 years ago today. So unfortunately, today has been a little bit rough for me. So I just want to hold up this class and just say cheers to you, Jake. I love you, brother, and I miss you. And every single year, if you're familiar with me from Epic Film Guys, if you're familiar with the work that I do five years ago, next May, I started the live stream for The Cure. And Jake was a very big reason for that because I hate cancer and... I want to do my part. I want to do anything I can to help raise money to fight against cancer. And that's why we partnered with the Cancer Research Institute. And that will be happening again. I will be proudly hosting that for the fifth year this coming May. You're going to be hearing a lot more details about that in the future. So I just wanted to make that mention here. But uh, 
I do apologize that the show is late. Otherwise, I had intended to have this out at the normal time, but unfortunately, it's been a it's been a tough day for me. I also want to shout out my patrons, and I also want to shout out Sean Ennis of the Stories of Your and Your podcast, soon to be Ink and Ash. It's an amazing short story podcast. I'll put the link in the show notes. Please check it out if you have not before. He does an absolutely amazing show, and he won our Apple Podcasts giveaway. And I didn't announce this beforehand. I just decided to do it kind of out of the blue. So it wasn't mentioned in the show until unfortunately now after the fact. But I did announce it on social media. I gave away a box of Christmas cookies. All six of my VIP level patrons, the top level patrons, all got 16 cookies, 16 Christmas cookies, four different flavors that I actually just put in the mail today. And Sean won a box of those cookies as well. So thank you very much, Sean. And thank you so, so much to my top tier patrons, Krista, Chris, Jared, Caleb, Bill, and Dan. You guys are absolutely amazing. Thank you so, so much for supporting the show. And stay tuned for spring coming up in March. The next Patreon quarterly giveaway for the VIP level is going to be sauces and i'm going to be figuring out exactly what that means over the next month and a half to two months ladies and gentlemen i love you i really really appreciate you taking the time to listen to the episode if you have not already please follow me on social media please find me at the aforementioned patreon page or anywhere else out there on the web i just got notified today now listed on iHeartRadio as well find all the links to everything over at nikolaiskitchen.com it takes you to literally every link that i have under the sun i love you all thank you so so much for listening for all of your amazing support and thank you so much for coming on this journey with me (laughs) 